Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Tired of companies like Google and Facebook watching everything you do online? There's actually a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more. All for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Hello, everyone. This is Rosie Tran, and welcome to Stupid Sexy Privacy, a Weibo.tv special report sponsored by our friends at DuckDuckGo. You may have heard my voice at the end of every episode on Weibo.tv. I'm the one asking you to leave a review. Which, by the way, I hope you've done, right? You've left us a review? Okay, great. Unless you're lying. <clears throat> well, I'm a lot more than a voice. I'm also Weibo.tv's intrepid reporter, and over the course of this miniseries, I'm going to share with you short, actionable tips you can use to protect your privacy. These tips were sourced by our fearless leader, he really hates when we call him that, BJ Mendelson. BJ, for those of you who may not know, is the author of the book Privacy and How We Get It Back, a book that was published in the before times. This means before COVID. BJ is currently writing a sequel called How to Protect Yourself from Fascists and Weirdos. So everything we're going to hear in this miniseries is the most up-to-date information he's researched, bringing us into 2023 and beyond. Throughout the series, you're also going to hear from some special guests and experts in the information security field. You hear that sound? That means it's time for today's privacy tip. Owning a smartphone is expensive. So why would you want another one? Think of your second phone as a condom for your primary phone. You use your primary phone to interact with your friends and family. And you use your second phone to interact with strangers you want to f BJ wanted to call the second phone the stranger danger phone but we're not gonna let him do that. Now, there are a couple of instances where you would wanna use a second phone. First, if you're a content creator of some kind. For example, you never wanna set up your public social media accounts using your real phone number and email address. Another example is what we're going to focus on here over the next few weeks, online dating. You don't need to spend much money on the second phone. Any prepaid phone will do, as long as they meet the requirements we will share with you in this episode. Your second phone should be able to run Signal, the Burner app, or Google Voice, and at least two ride-sharing apps. Don't rely on just one of the ride-sharing apps in the event of limited driver availability when you need to make a break for it. When you're going out on a date, have all of them ready to go. That's all you need this phone for. I mean, you can also use it to sell drugs, but that's beyond the scope of this podcast. Although, if you are selling drugs and know where to get great weed, please call BJ. Also, since we're talking about online dating, feel free to give BJ a call if you own a Wonder Woman costume and like being tied up. Andrew, I really need final script approval on this show. Where was I? <clears throat> For phone recommendations, we recommend any of the Google Pixel A series. These are the budget Pixel phones made by Google that come with the headphone jack, which if you remember our previous episodes, you wanna have so you can use a microphone blocker. For service recommendations, we recommend Mint Mobile. They offer a plan for $15 a month that give you four gigs of data. If you're only using the phone for arranging online dates and getting to and from them safely, this should be more than enough data. Now, just a quick thing. Mint Mobile has recently had some serious security breaches. So if you want to go with them, make sure to immediately turn on your two-factor authentication and use the Authy app to generate a code. 
You'll need this code ever so often to log into Mint Mobile, but this will protect your account from being taken over. Your new phone will need a new email. You can set up a new Gmail account or use ProtonMail. Once you set up your new phone number, there's something that you absolutely must do, with one exception. Never give it out to anyone. Nobody should have this number but you. But to interact with strangers, you're going to need a decoy number. Which brings us to the one exception. That means that Google Voice, or a burner if you prefer, will need your phone's number to set up the decoy. The decoy number is what you're going to use for everything. This way, nobody can stalk and harass you through texts and calls. The decoy number will forward all calls and texts to your second phone's real number. To set this up, go to Google Voice and create a new phone number. Once you have your Google Voice number, you can download the Signal app and use your Google Voice number to activate it. Once you've got the decoy phone number, you're ready to download the dating apps. In the next two episodes, we're going to cover how to protect yourself when using these apps and how to protect yourself when you're out on a date. But before we wrap up, there are two more things we want you to get for your new Stranger Danger phone. God damn it, now BJ has me calling it that too. The first thing you need is a Faraday bag. We'll include a link to where to purchase one in the show notes below. The Faraday bag is where your second phone should live when it's not in use. This will prevent it from giving off any kind of signal or allowing for it to be tracked. A Faraday bag is the physical equivalent of throwing your phone into a black hole. As long as it's in the bag, nobody can access it. Not even Batman. You only want to take this phone out to arrange dates and go on them. At all other times, keep it in the Faraday bag. The other thing you'll want is a battery pack. Never go on a date without having your phone fully charged. We recommend the Zender Power Bank, which will allow you to charge your phone quickly no matter where you are. We know online dating can be a terrifying experience. BJ and I are part of the generation that remembers when dating through Craigslist was a thing. But online dating can be a lot of fun. Just by listening to today's episode, you're 25% safer now than you were before. And over the next two episodes, we'll get you as close to 100% as we can. Are you still listening? Next, we have a very special guest, Frank M. Ahern, best-selling author of How to Disappear. Take it away, BJ. Frank, thank you so much for joining us. Would you be so kind as to just introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Thanks for having me. My name is Frank M. Ahern, and I'm a privacy consultant, and I work with people who have extreme privacy issues. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge fan of your first book, How to Disappear. It has Thank you. Uh, it has by far one of the best openings for a nonfiction book that I think I've read. Uh, <laughs> when it's just some <laughs> mild panic about the the uh, potential arrival of the police. Uh, I would just love to li- li- know a little bit about that story. Just uh, I, I think it's it's a great one. Oh God, you know that was like. That was like after like there was like these all these hearings that went on about privacy and stuff. And we kind of just went totally off the grid, you know, information wise, because we were pulling phone records and bank records and airline records and criminal records, just doing a lot of like illegal social engineering. And, you know, I was just really paranoid at that point. And I was living down in Florida at the point at that time on this canal and just heard this helicopter like above the roof, just I go outside, I look up and it's just like there. Right. And I don't know. I just, I just went into like this freaked out mode. And all of a sudden I saw like these law enforcement cars, like driving by, you know, just speeding back and forth and thinking that's it. The feds are here. They're going to bust me for doing all this shit. 
Turns out it was a lost manatee in the canals, man. But I, I brought <laughs> my laptop and phones and everything into the canal. I figured if they come here, they're just gonna have to go fishing for my stuff. Right. And, you right. Know, it was not fun. <laughs> but that's when I realized that, that that business, the end was near. It was just time to stop yes. that business. Yeah. So I, I'm curious about your journey after the book, because I noticed now you're doing more like blackmail prevention or, or not prevention, but like how to help when someone is being blackmailed. Can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah. Listen, my, my background's always been based on doing work that involves some form of like deception for a positive reason. And so I work with individuals who have found themselves in blackmail situations or extortion situations. You know, there's don't there's just different types of blackmail. There's online blackmail, there's escort blackmail. And so the, the big thing is to protect their identity so they're not exposed. So a lot of times I'll work the blackmail cases and I pose as them. And I negotiate with the blackmailer, back them off. I manipulate the information, you know, all through text messaging. And that's kind of nice. what the work involves. Yeah. Tell me, what. how often do you run into someone being blackmailed on, let's say, Instagram? Every day. It's, it, uh, online blackmail is, is a prevalent, it, it's a massive online problem. Men become victims of blackmail and women become victims of romance scams. And, you know, it's also a crime that people don't report. So it's an underreported crime. And I mean, I do probably about at least 30 consultations a month. Oh, wow. I, did, what has surprised you about that since, you, since you've been working on that? You know, in a weird sort of way, nothing really surprises me. Because you know, I've been dealing with humans, you know, my whole career. And humans <laughs> are flawed. Yes. And no matter how, it's just like somebody tells you, don't touch that, you'll burn yourself. Some people still touch it. And, right. you know, that's the same thing with online blackmail is, you know, you connect with this hot looking chick that you would never connect with in real life because she's so far from your grasp that, you know, you don't, you don't say to yourself, is this too good to be true? And, you know, the thing is on the internet, if it's too good to be true, it is. And that's what I think that's what surprises me is individuals just don't consider the fact that it's a scam. Right. And for and it's not just for women as well. I mean, for men, I noticed on your site you have uh, for grinder, you have a thing there for grinder blackmail. So I'd love to hear a bit well, about the, that as well. Grinder blackmail, what happens is certain, there are certain blackmailing groups out there and they'll, they'll target particular individuals okay so for example like on grinder they'll they'll target the straight guys the married guys or ethnic individuals like young asians or young muslims or young indians because the being exposed is such it would be such a disaster in their life and so that's what they target and so what happens is they connect with them they manipulate information to get their identity of who they are some social media or linkedin and they get them to you know either go live on video or exchange photos or even if they don't exchange photos, they use the text, the sexual text, as the fodder for the blackmail too. I saw something really interesting that that you had talked about with these types of scams where they'll connect with you by video, but it's a looped video. Could you explain that? Yeah, these poor guys, man. <laughs> once they get once they contact me and explain, so what happens is. You, you, you go to like say Snapchat or Skype or something like that or WhatsApp and you connect and it's a video 
And the video, what they'll say to you is, look, my audio is broken, so I can't, I'll have to type. And what it is, it's just this looped video and I've seen them and they look, it looks like somebody's talking to you and, and, and just connecting with you, but it's just a, a looped video and, and it's just a guy behind the video. Right. No, it's cra- it's crazy to me how, like how, how widespread this is. So it is what, what would you, what do you suggest for people that are, they're, they're listening to this and they're like, Oh crap, I'm never going to use any of these apps again. I, you know, I, I've always kind of said that, you know, the minute, the minute you press enter, send or download, enter, enter or send, you don't own it anymore. And that's what you really have to right. consider. And, you know, you look, I, I think social media is like really stupid, to be honest. OK, it, yeah. from, a, from a personal point of view, meaning, you know, it, I mean, if you have a business or a book or a rock, you're a musician or something like that, and you're, you know, using it to share information yeah that about what you do that makes sense but the idea of like instagram where you just accept a follow from anybody and then you become a friend with them you just don't screen them and you know they're an unidentified stranger and the problem is people some people have this mindset oh they're a friend of mine they follow me on instagram hello right i mean you would you know something you wouldn't share naked photos with your bus driver, but you'll share them with somebody you've never even spoken to. Right. Yeah. So tell me like, what, what do you advise people? So let's say like, try not to use this stuff. Absolutely. Uh, it's something where we try to advocate in the show is to use these tools less, but there's, are there any other tips and tricks that you would recommend for people to protect themselves online? I think, I think number one, I mean, I think you see privacy begins with you. You define your own privacy. Okay. You can't depend on an app or a website or something of that nature. Okay. To have an, have a, have a social media account, just have a social media account makes no sense. I mean, you know, you should use something quote for its purpose. Okay. And you should look at it as a separate entity of yourself. Okay. I mean, why post things about you? Okay. You know, or, you know, why make it a personal thing and be more discreet? Because the truth of the matter is nobody really looks at your stuff. Everybody just wants followers. And, you know, my, my point is, you know, if it doesn't serve a purpose, it's just ridiculous. And absolutely, and just I just have an ill ill feelings towards social media in general. I think there are some things that make sense, but on a whole, you know, Facebook is just stupid. <laughs> I mean, it really is. I mean, yeah. what, what's yeah. the point of it? Right. Well, it's stupid and dangerous, right? <laughs> so not only not only is it potentially just a waste of time, but well, it's is, also I mean, a vector I mean, for people yeah. post their opinions of things. And, you know, opinions change. Yes. You know, it's imprinted. I mean, you know, today you apply for a job, which everybody knows, they look at your social media and you have, you know, any negative social media can affect your job. Right. You know, know, I always drives me crazy, like parents who, who post pictures of their kids on Instagram and Facebook and things like that. It's like, what makes you think your kid wants to see this in 15 years from now? Yes. You know, you wouldn't post those photos on a billboard on a highway for all to see, but you'll do it digitally. People have this weird trust in the digital world. Like, like it's okay because it's there. Yeah. Do you see that have in your work? Has that 
come up to bite parents in the ass? I think it bites a lot of people at times where they don't realize it. You know, it's like the people who devote their lives and love to each other on Facebook and all of a sudden they get divorced, you know? And listen, I I just don't think that, I I just think it's a, it's a medium that is just going to eventually die away the way we see it. There's no useful point to like a Facebook and there's no useful point to just somebody snapping photos of a bird or an Instagram. And I I think it's just this thing that has happened, happened for a while, but I think social media will change. I'm a Facebook hipster. I then deleted my Facebook account and then re-upped it in 2005 and have not been able to get off the stupid thing since. So, so why can't you get off? So, what, what are your, <laughs> you guys? The award-winning Smashing Security podcast, hosted by Graham Cluley and Carol Terrio each week, it takes an irreverent look at cybersecurity and online privacy, helping you find out what's happening with your data. Find it in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify and all good podcast apps, or at smashingsecurity.com. It's not all filth. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, Let me ask you, though, so for people that want to still use the dating apps, is there anything that you you would advise them? Well, the, the dating apps, yeah. I mean, the first thing is to protect your identity, okay? And like, so I, I wrote this book a while ago called The Online Romance Journal, and it's about yes. you know safe dating. And so what happens is, you know, nobody screens it. They'll put they'll put up like, for example, you know, their their profile name like Frank Paris, you know, private. They'll put little tidbits about who they are. You know, they'll put photos up that if you up you know yandex or tin eye or something like that you can be identified if that photo's already online so they don't they don't think about protecting their identity and you know we're so used to engaging and they just start engaging with someone and what happens is digital relationships are really a bubble it's just this bubble that's created and you stay within it and you can quickly become a victim because that person can make these excuses as to why they can't video, as to why they can't call. And the victim themselves, what their mistake is, is they accept the excuses. Next thing you know, three months later, they've never spoken to this person, had a video, but they think they're in a relationship with them. Right. And do you find that this, this adversely affects people who might be impaired in some way mentally? No, I don't. I I don't think it has to do with. I, I think it, anybody can become. It. I, I work with people from all walks of life, and I don't. I don't think the. I, actually, I, I would probably somebody who might be like mentally impaired, probably a better defense because they're not as. I don't think they're as susceptible as the average person as far as in the engagement. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I, I think sometimes I'll, I'll see it dismissed as, you know, well, maybe that person is stupid and that's why they fell for it. But, you know, it's, but you're, it's, okay. it's funny in my book. That's what I talk about is, you know, the, the, when it comes to romance scams specifically is it's another crime that goes on 
typically unreported and nobody knows about it because you know victims are so embarrassed over it because the first thing people think is you're stupid that you sent you know 10 grand to some stranger you never met but it's such a it's a manipulation that just unfolds over time and it's rather easy to fall into absolutely and so i mean in terms of how underreported this this problem is what what would you say like would we be shocked by the numbers Absolutely. I mean, last year, uh, I probably dealt with victims that, you know, it was like, you know, close to almost $2 million in, in losses that people lost in, in funds. And, you know, that's just one guy doing this. And there are people who didn't use my service. And some people just, it, it's, it's a huge business. It's a, it's a huge worldwide problem is romance scams. Yeah. Well, tell me what I want to go back a little bit to how your first book, How to Disappear, because I know it's been it, it's it's it celebrated its 10th anniversary either last year or the year before. And I'm curious, what what would you go back and change now looking back at it? I, I don't think I change anything, to be honest with you. I think that book made sense for its its time. Okay. You know, there might be some things that are dated in it, but I kind of feel like I got my point across. Yeah. But I also, but I also feel that um, the one, the one important part of that book is, you know, I don't focus on the idea also just strictly of technology. One of the problems with a lot of the quote disappear and vanishing books out there, they're so technology driven. Okay. And, you know, I, I talk about the self and the self actions. So I, I don't think there's really anything I would change. Yeah, I said something I really liked because I've read, uh, you know, there's the extreme privacy book, which is which is good, but also very technical. And then there's uh, a, a bunch of others that have come out over the years. And can you tell us some of the the people specific actions that that you still think are useful today? I'm sorry, meaning what? I don't follow. Oh, sure. In terms of like. Not to disappear, but what are what are things that you would typically advise people if they're looking to just lessen their presence, uh, let's say, on the Internet? I, I think, OK, here's my thoughts are let, let's forget about technology, OK, because it comes down to your actions and what you choose to engage in. OK, you know, I mean, very simple, like, listen, if you're going to download an app to play checkers and they want your like GPS location, there's a problem with that, okay? Because you don't need to give up GPS to play checkers, okay? You have to decide for yourself that, okay, this is not cool. I'm not going to, you know, do this, okay? Just like we wouldn't buy a microwave that says, hey, listen, this microwave might explode. We'd say, no, I'm not going to buy that microwave because it's not safe. People don't view the internet and technology like home appliances okay and sometimes you know in a very simplistic way you know we wouldn't buy a blender okay that's dangerous okay why would you download an app that can extract all your 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 phone list why would you download an app that extracts all of your photos you wouldn't buy a tv that says hey we randomly turn the camera on and look at you either so i i think what happens is you know we just kind of forget and just think that, oh, no big thing. They're never going to use this against me. And I'm not being paranoid that they're going to. But the point is, we just don't know where this technology turns in 10 years from now. 
Yeah, and so, of course. Go ahead, I'm sorry. I, I just think privacy comes down to human action. It doesn't come down to what the technology can do. Okay, it's just like, you know, people talk about like cameras on the streets, okay? Oh my God, Big Brother, they can watch this, this, and this. It's like, yeah, they're only watching, okay? But, they, you know, if you do something wrong, they still have to send a human to come get you. There's always a human factor involved. So when you're looking at something from a private privacy perspective, you should look at it from the human action. What are my actions? You know, if I go left, do I make more digital footprints or less if I go right? But but wait a second, are the less footprints actually more dangerous than the more footprints? And, and you have to think of it like that. Right. I don't know if you're following what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. And so what, what are some of the, the most common mistakes that you see people make on that front when, when they have to make that decision? I think the most common mistake people make is judging based upon the technology, meaning, okay, let's say you're looking to disappear, okay? And you have an option of going to a train or, or, or getting on a plane, okay? Or, or, or in a bus, okay? You hit the train station as well as the eye, you know, all the cameras, same thing with the airport. Problem is, okay, the airplane, you're encapsulated. You can't escape, okay? Train, you're in between stations. A bus, you can get off. You have to look at what's the least amount of technology involved in my, quote, escape. It would be the bus, okay? And, and that's how, and so, but people sometimes don't look at the technology and say to themselves, you know, they just judge it on the footprints themselves. It's the uh, the footprints, the footprint, but what's the dangerous footprints? And that's what they don't see. And it's just like when you're downloading an, an app, okay? Like, for example, people, you know, got pissed off at like WhatsApp because, you know, it's privacy and stuff like that. You know, and I only use a prepaid phone, so I really don't care. But my point is, are you really doing anything all that important that on that particular phone that is really a privacy issue? Okay. And the question is, if it's not, then don't worry about it. Look at the other things in your life and question the privacy. Yeah. And let me ask you about the prepaid phone because I, I, that's something that comes up a lot in terms of just protecting your online footprint. So, like today in 2023, would you still recommend people uh, go into a store, pay in cash, and and buy like something like a Mint Mobile SIM card and phone? I, I, would, I would suggest you find somebody to go in the store and buy it for you because huh. that's the interesting point. Okay, so for example, see, prepaid phones are not necessarily private. It, it doesn't tell you who the user is, but the information on the phone does exist, the data. However, the mistake you make is when you walk into the store and you buy it because there's a camera in the store. The trick is to have somebody else go in the store and buy it for you. Right. This way, your identity is not associated with the phone. Yeah, I, I think that's terrific advice. Um, let me ask you just real quick as we as we wrap up what what are some of the, like the most ridiculous mistakes you've seen like working with people uh, in trying to help them disappear and trying to help limit their footprint that they, they continue to make? Uh, I, th I think there's a couple of things because, you know, n number one is not figuring out how you're going to earn money. Okay. I would say the most prevalent at this point is the 
stupidity that digital currency is private. Okay. And I find from a disappearing point of view, digital currency is a very dangerous thing to, to use. Okay. Because it's only private while it's within the digital world. But once you pull it out, it's, there's, there's going to be a footprint. Okay. And not only that, your digital currency could be a thousand dollars today and $22 tomorrow. I would say that's probably my biggest thing or is people thinking that's like the promised land of, of privacy. Right. And so I think that's important just to, to stress for people. So you're saying if you're trying to help someone reduce their footprint, not to, not to bother with like crypto. Yeah, because I mean, number one, there's no stability to it. Right. Okay. And obviously we can see by FTX and all the other disasters that have occurred with digital currency. The problem too is, you know, pulling it out, you're going to create some sort of footprint unless you find somebody, you can actually meet them. They give you the cash and then you transfer the funds to their wallet. But you know, that's, that's not always going to happen. I just think it's a, it's just not a good tool in the disappearing world. And so many people have contacted me saying, yeah, I'm going to disappear. I got my money in crypto. And it's like, okay, but that money might not be there tomorrow or might be worth 50%. Right. Absolutely. And just, just because, you know, I mean, think about also with uh, the guy with Silk Road. I mean, the feds, they got him through his crypto. Yes. And so it's kind of like, how secure is it? I mean, if, some, if they want you bad enough and they're going to find you in some ways, okay? And I always talk about, and I don't know if I talk about it in the book, but, you know, most people are not technical. We understand the basics of, quote, cookies, you know what I'm saying? Right. And GPS. But, you know, when you start doing something and you believe it's 100% secure, there's somebody out there looking to crack it to make it unsecure. Yes. And you always have to be aware of that. And and you don't know once that gets cracked. Yeah, it's it's a real concern. And yeah, it's one of the reasons why I don't advise people <laughs> to bother. Uh, let me ask you real quick as we wrap up, what what is something that, because I know you've done a lot of interviews, but what's something that you've always wanted to be asked on the privacy front that you just haven't been asked yet? That's a hard question to answer because I never really thought about that. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't have, I'm sorry. I don't have an no, answer. No, that's okay. Right? I, I never really thought about that. I mean, the, I, I just, I, let me just, yeah. you know what it is? I, I think the question is, okay, here's a question I, I would want somebody to say to me. What's more important, privacy or human action? Okay. Meaning, you know, di- digital privacy or human pr- privacy. And my answer would be, human privacy okay because everybody today is just so focused on the idea of digital they forget about their own actions you know it's it's an example is you know somebody who walks into a store and they run into somebody that they know from the past and they freak out because they disappeared okay it's your it's your actions that are going to get get you out of it okay it's the same thing when you know you're disappeared and somebody starts questioning where you're from, what you're doing, has nothing to do with privacy. You know, the privacy part of disappearing, resist 
the day you leave home to the day you're getting where you're going. Everything after that is based upon your own human actions. Yeah. And you're right. I don't think it's talked about as much. Um, I mean, the, the digital stuff is definitely important, but you're right. Like, I think that the human element gets overlooked. Um, this was terrific. Where where can people find you online? Where can we buy your books? How do we support you? How do we hire you? Uh, I go to my website, frankaaron.com or disappear.info. And, you know, my books are on Amazon. Perfect. Most things people hate about the internet comes from a lack of privacy, like those creepy ads that make you think your phone is listening to you. DuckDuckGo is an all-in-one privacy app that can help you with that. It's your internet browser with private search, tracking blocker, encryption, and even built-in email protection, all for free. Just go to DuckDuckGo.com to learn more. DuckDuckGo, privacy simplified. Thank you for listening to Stupid Sexy Privacy, a Weiwo.tv special report. I'm your host, Rosie Tran. Today's episode was written by BJ Mendelson, produced by Andrew Van Voris, and sponsored by DuckDuckGo. Due to the overwhelming demand for privacy audits, we want to make a quick announcement before we go. Doing one-on-one privacy audits is super time-consuming. This means BJ has less time to write these episodes and the new book, How to Protect Yourself from Fascists and Weirdos. So... Along with his co-author, Amanda King, BJ is currently putting together an online course called Stupid Sexy Privacy, which you'll be able to purchase here at stupidsexyprivacy.com. The course will walk you through every privacy tactic discussed in today's episode in greater detail. If you'd like to know when the course becomes available, you can email BJ at bjmendelson at duck.com. The email address again is bjmendelson at duck.com. And we'll see you next time, right? <laughs>